Well, today is a big Sunday because we are so honored to have a very special guest with us. We have a, a leadership structure in place here uh, where I have three overseers. These are three pastors who are responsible for caring for me, who, who advise me, who lead me, who help me anytime I need it. And one of those guys is here to preach this morning. Ernest Smith, I first met in 2013. My wife and I had just gone on a, a prayer retreat where we had felt like God was calling us to start a church. And it was very scary. And we didn't really know what that meant or, or what that would be about. And that Sunday during an At The Movies series, a guy named Ernest Smith, who our church was sending out to start a new church in Denver, Colorado, was there to preach. And he, he taught a message about Peter getting out of the boat and how when God calls you to step out into the water, you step out of the boat and onto the water. And it changed our life. We felt boldness and confidence in our hearts. We felt affirmation. And I've gotten to know Ernest really well over the few years since then. And anytime I have a crisis, anytime it feels like I want to quit, I call Ernest Smith. And he answers the phone every single time. And he encourages me. And he says, you can do this. You got this. He gives me resources and tools. If you, if you don't know this, listen, sometimes it can be hard to do a new thing. Sometimes it can be hard to do something you've never done before. I had never started a church before. And so most of what has been successful here has been stuff Ernest has said, try this. And we said, absolutely, we'll do it. I've got a policy. Anytime Ernest tells me to do something, I just say yes. And so he has invested in you in ways you don't know. He has blessed this city in ways you don't know, I don't know yet. And, and, uh, and he has absolutely blessed me and my family in ways I could never describe to you. He is one of my people. He cares for me and he encourages me and he makes me better at what I do. So would you guys welcome Ernest Smith up here this morning? Let's pray. Lord, I just thank you so much for Ernest. And for the work that you're going to do through him today, God, I just ask that you would open our hearts to receive the Father in this place. You would start to prepare us for what he's, what he's got for us. That Father, as we address some hard questions, um, that, Lord, your spirit would move in us to hear. We just love you. We worship you. I thank you so much for bringing Ernest into my life and into this place this morning. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Hey, do me a favor. Get up for your pastor, Pastor John Mark. Incredible, incredible man. And he gave me his disease of losing my voice, so I'm also losing mine as well. So uh, we'll see how it goes. But man, I'm so excited to be with you, uh, church. Uh, you're kind of like uh, the family that I've always wanted to see but haven't seen yet. Not like the crazy side of your family uh, that you don't want to see, but like the good side that you want to see. Uh, I've been hearing a lot of things and, uh, and watching you guys from afar, and God has been doing some mighty things in this church. I've known your pastors for a long time. I've known Robbie for, uh, Pastor Robbie for about 10 years, and uh, the man has incredible integrity and always is desiring growth. I've known Pastor Robert uh, since he was in seventh grade, uh, so I've got a lot of stories, a lot of blackmail stories on him, so if you want those, I can give those to you, but I've known him and, uh, him and April for a long, long time. They're dear friends of ours, uh, and then known Pastor John Mark, as he said, for uh, the last six years or so, and uh, man, um, just watching him lead his family, lead his church, uh, take a leap of faith has been incredible, incredible to watch. And uh, church, I, I, 
I, I don't know if you know how much they go through, the sacrifices they make, but if you haven't said thank you to your pastor in a while, please do so. Uh, this is actually Pastor's Appreciation Month, um, and uh, we need a whole month because we don't get enough of it. So uh, if you haven't, man, tell him you are thankful. Tell the pastors here that you are thankful for them uh, because um, they get enough negativity in this world. Uh, they just need somebody to come up and, and lift their spirits a little bit. So if you haven't, man, send them a card, send them a note, an email, a text, something, just saying, I appreciate you. I love you. Uh, and I just want to say thank you for all of you who serve here, um, all of you who uh, to get, you give here, you pray for this church, I and mean, God is using you in some incredible ways. I do a lot with church planting uh, and with church planters, and what God is doing here at the gathering is really unusual. It's quite miraculous, especially here in Asheville. Asheville is a very, very difficult place to plant a church. Uh, they say that only 95% of churches nationwide will make it five years, and in Asheville, that number is significantly higher, meaning that almost nobody makes it here as a church planter, um, and you guys are not just making it, but you're thriving, and so what God is doing here uh, is because of your pastors, is because of your investment, and I just want to say thank you. Uh, it's amazing to be able to watch another group of people in another part of this country doing amazing things for God. Uh, I think that God's got a word for us today, but before we, uh, we uh, continue on, let me pray for us. Father, we just come before you, and I thank you so much, God, for your presence in this place. I thank you, Father, for Pastor John Mark and, Father, for the other pastors and, and all the Dream Team members here. God, I just pray that you would uh, be with us in this moment. Speak to us, God, that even when our voice is failing, yours is not. So I pray that you would meet us in this place. God, you know what we're dealing with. You know what we're going through. You know, each situation that each one of us sits in, and I pray, Father, that you would meet us here and speak to us in a very powerful, powerful way. In Jesus' name, amen. So today we're going to hit on a, a question that is pretty simple. It's a pretty simple question. The question is this, why do bad things happen? A massive question, right? Like, how many of you have ever asked the question, why do bad things happen? Anybody ever ask that? Okay, good. 18 of you. Awesome. No, all of us have asked that question before. Every one of us. I'm a, I've been a pastor for a long time, and I've heard this question hundreds, probably thousands of times. Ernest, why do bad things happen? And anytime we ask this question, uh, it's a, we're usually in a moment of pain. There's usually a, there's some emotion that's attached to it. There's, there's pain, there's sorrow. Maybe we're going through something. Maybe we're watching someone else go through something, and we wonder, man, what is happening? Why is this happening? Why do these bad things happen? And here's what I want to say on the outset of this, of this question. I don't believe that this question can be answered in a, a, a nice, cute little 30-minute message. I just don't believe that that's possible. I think that this message has too much emotion to it. It has too much depth to it. There's too much uh, pain that's associated with it to try to, to try to fool you into thinking that I can answer this question in a real easy way. Uh, the pastors here and myself don't believe that the church can possibly answer that question in 30 minutes. Okay, so then the question is, then what are you going to talk about, Ernest? Well, you just said that you're going to answer the question, why do bad things happen? Now, what are you actually going to talk about? Nothing. We can just go home easy. Let's just go to brunch or something. No, let me hit on a question that I think we are asking at the soul and the, the, the root of this question. Why do bad things happen? I think the real question that we're asking when we go through pain, when we experience sorrow, when somebody turns their back on us, when we lose a loved one, when we see tragedies happen in the world around us, when we watch 22 people murdered in a Walmart, the real question that we're, we're asking is, where is God? 
I mean, where's God in the midst of my pain? Where was God when my friend committed suicide? Where was God when my friends lost their baby? Where's God when my husband walked out on me, my wife walked out on me? Where's God when my friend turned their back on me? Where is God in the midst of my pain, in the midst of my sorrow? To me, that's the question we're really asking is we're wondering if God is the God of the universe and we're just saying about how he's the way maker and all this stuff, all these amazing things. If God is those things, then where is he? I mean, in the midst of my pain, in the midst of my sorrow, why hasn't he shown up? Where is God in the midst of these things? We're going to answer that question, and we're going to do it by looking at a story in Scripture. If you have your Bibles, turn to Acts chapter 27. If you don't have your Bibles, no worries. It'll be on the screen. If you need a Bible, man, there's free Bibles out in the lobby that we'd love to make sure you have one of. But we're going to look at Acts 27. I want to kind of summarize and set up this story for you a little bit. Luke is the one who wrote the book of Acts. Luke was a physician. He wrote in very detailed form. He also wrote the gospel of Luke. The gospel of Luke is about the life and teachings of Jesus. So he writes this gospel. He talks about Jesus, and then he continues that book into Acts. And Acts is really a story of the church. It's a story about how Jesus didn't just come for the Jewish people. He came for the Gentiles, the non-Jews. Mostly you and I are probably Gentiles. There's probably not too many of us that are from Jewish descent in this room. And so Jesus says, I didn't just come for the Jewish people. I came for all people. And Luke's writing this story about how the gospel is being brought to the Gentiles, to the non-Jews for the first time. We see this guy named Paul come onto the scene. Paul's one of the greatest church planners, one of the greatest missionaries to have ever existed. Paul wrote a large portion of what we have in the New Testament. Uh, He probably was the most significant faith character uh, in the, the history of the church. I mean, he's made the greatest impact in what we call the church today. Uh, he comes onto the scene. He goes through some, some really, really dark moments. And one of those is what we're going to look at today. Uh, I'm going to summarize the story for you, but I would encourage you to go read it yourself. We're going to look at a few passages together, but uh, man, if you want to do your, your soul some good, then go feed yourself some of God's word and go read Acts 27. Uh, it starts off verse one. We see uh, Paul getting on a boat heading to Rome. He's a prisoner at this point. He's a prisoner because uh, the Jewish people have arrested him because he's converting people from Judaism to Christianity. The Jewish leaders don't like that, so they want him dead. They try to execute him, but they can't. They hand him over to the Romans. The Romans are like, he hasn't done anything wrong, but we don't want upset the Jewish leaders, so let's just have him in prison. Eventually, they go, let's send him off to Rome. So he's now on this boat heading to Rome, and he is a prisoner. Luke is with him. He's an eyewitness to this whole thing that happens. Luke is not a prisoner on this boat. They allow him to go along as Paul's companion. They start off on a small boat, and they jump from island to island throughout the Mediterranean. This is how you traveled back then. Uh, And the first leg of the journey is really long. It's over 800 miles long. That's farther than from here to Key West. So it's a long journey that they have. It's winter time, and that means there's going to be a lot of storms that begin happening. And so then they, they take off from that small boat. They jump onto a larger boat. There's now 276 sailors, soldiers, and prisoners on this larger boat. 
Paul gets this revelation from God that this thing is not going to end well. This journey is going to end in disaster. So he tells the centurion who's in charge. He tells the captain. They tell the boat owner. They're like, hey, there's this guy here. He says the boat's going to end in disaster, this whole voyage. And they look at the, the weather patterns and all that. They're like, no, we're good. So they continue on with the journey. And that's where we pick up Acts 27, verse 14. It says this. But soon, a tempestuous wind called the Northeaster struck down from the land. When the ship was caught and could not face the wind, we gave way to it and were driven along. Since we were violently storm-tossed, they began the next day to jettison the cargo. And on the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. So Paul says, hey, something bad's going to happen. The, the captain's like, no, it's no big deal. It starts off totally fine. But then all of a sudden, this, this huge hurricane force wind called a Northeastern comes about, and it moves them off course. They have no control over the ship at this point. Now, this isn't unusual for this time frame. Okay, it's in the Mediterranean. It's wintertime. There have been hundreds, maybe thousands of boats lost in this same spot over the centuries because of storms like this. But how many of you know when you're in a storm, it doesn't matter how many people have been through those type of storms, you don't want to be in it. Like when you're in a storm yourself, when you're going through something, it doesn't matter if other people have been through that same thing. It doesn't matter if other people have walked that same journey. You're like, man, I don't want to be here. That's where Paul and his companions are. Look at verse 20. It says this, when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and no small tempest lay on us, all hope of our being saved was at last abandoned. Stop right there for a moment. So you have Paul and you have Luke and you have all these other people that are on this boat and the wind is pushing them away. And then what we read is that the sun and the stars haven't appeared for many days. They are in a dark, dark place. And how many of you have ever been in a dark place and when you're there, you lose all hope? And sure, maybe you've been in a place where the sun actually was shining, the stars actually came out. But maybe in your soul, things were dark. Maybe in your mind, things were dark. You were going through something. You were experiencing some type of pain, some relational pain, some mental pain, some physical pain, some spiritual pain. You were experiencing something. You're going, man, God, where are you? Maybe the sun literally rose, but it felt very, very dark. And when you're in that place, you lose all hope. I've been there many times in my life. I think back through my childhood, my, my dad was very abusive, and those are very dark moments. I think about when my parents got divorced, and we moved from one city to another, and I started over, started over with friends and school and all of that. The time that I was a labeled alcoholic, I've, I've been through dark moments in my life. I've been, dark, I've been in dark moments in my marriage. My wife and I have been married for almost 17 years now, and we've been through some really dark moments, dark moments where, you know, I thought I was right and she was wrong, and then I grew up and I realized that I'm always wrong and she's always right. And men, if you don't learn anything else today, if you can just learn that, you'll be totally fine in your marriage. But now I, I like real moments where, I mean, wedding rings are flying through the air. Like I remember one time I put my wedding ring down. I don't know why. It was dumb. And I put it down and she picked it up and threw it into the bushes outside. I'm like, that's expensive. What are you doing? You know, like at moments where she would look at me and go, we feel like, I feel like we're just roommates. Like we're not a married couple. We're just we're just roommates. We've been in dark moments in our parenting. One of my kids has special needs, and 
And we, it, we get in a dark moment in that situation and then we come out and we're like, ah, yeah, we feel good, we're hopeful. And then we go back in it. And that's kind of honestly where we are right now as parents, we're back in a dark moment. All of us have been in dark moments. And when you get in a dark season of your life where you feel like the sun and the stars aren't shining, it, you lose hope. I mean, this is what Luke writes, that all hope of our being saved was at last abandoned. This is Luke. I mean, he's the author of the gospel. Like many people have come to know Christ because of Luke's writings. This guy is a massive faith person. I mean, like, it, like we would elevate him and say, man, look at this guy. Follow him as he follows Christ. You've got Paul, who's also lost hope. Paul, who's one of the greatest missionaries of all time, who, who has impacted the church more than anybody else, in my opinion. And Paul has lost hope. Which simply tells me this, that it doesn't matter how deep your relationship with Christ is. It doesn't matter how good of a Christian you think you are. There's going to be times in your life you're going to go through such deep pain and such deep sorrow that the temptation to lose hope is going to be there. And that doesn't mean that you, like, you, you look at yourself and you condemn yourself. Like, man, if I was a better Christian. No, Paul was a better Christian. Luke was a better Christian. And they lost hope. And this isn't to try to like, you know, cast like doom and gloom over you. Like at some point you're going to go through a storm or whatever, although you will. This story is not about storms. This story is not about will storms come in your life because they will. Like the Bible just assumes that you understand that. That you understand that like if you're not in a storm now, then maybe you just came out of one or you're about to go in one. The Bible just assumes that you know that storms are coming. Jesus promises it. This story is about where do we go in the midst of the storms? Where do we place our faith in the midst of those storms? We look at uh, you know, what, what Paul and, and Luke are dealing with, and they had lost hope. They're wondering, God, where are you? And I wonder if there are some of us in here today. I'll guarantee you there's some of us in here today. That if we're going to be real honest with our situation, we've lost hope. For some of us, we just had the loss of a loved one. Maybe it's through suicide. Maybe it's a loss of a child, loss of a friend. And this day, October 6th, it's very, very dark. And I'm sorry. For some of us, it's within our kids. It's in our relationship with our kids. Maybe for some of us, we have kids at home, and man, it's been a struggle. Maybe we have kids with special needs. Maybe we have kids where we're wondering, man, how do we help them in their, their behavior, or what do we do with their schooling? And you've got so many different things going on. You just feel like, man, I, I just need rest. I just need a little bit of help. I just need a little bit of light. And I'll walk with you in this moment. I know what you're feeling. Some of us, maybe it's relationally. Maybe somebody's walked out on us. Maybe a friend has turned their back on us. Right now, things seem very dark. And if that's you, we, we sit with you. For some of us, maybe we're having mental health challenges. Maybe every time we look in the mirror, we question who we are. We wonder why God made us. Maybe we're dealing with suicidal thoughts. Maybe we're dealing with some thoughts we never had, but since our pregnancy, that it just keeps coming back. Maybe we're dealing with PTSD. And if that's you, I want you to know that the church walks with you in this time. I know things, that can, feel, I know things can feel very 
very dark. But in this moment, if that's you, I just want to sit in this moment with you and let you know you're not alone. You're not alone. I had a guy come up to me after last service, and he said, hey, man, I just want to say thank you, because sometimes when you go through trials, you just feel like nobody else does. And if that's you right now, you're not alone. And as I prayed through this message and prayed for you guys, I began just asking God, what do you want to say? Like, are there like three steps to take when you're in the midst of a storm? Like, what, what do we do in these times? And I felt like the Lord said, just tell them I'm with them. Now, that doesn't seem like a great revelation, right? It sounds like something a pastor should say. Like, Ernest, you're supposed to say that God is with me. But the reality is when you find yourself in a storm, it's very easy for us to question the goodness of God and the faithfulness of God and the presence of God. God, where are you? If you've ever been through a real storm in life, which most of us in this room have, a place where it felt like no, neither sun nor stars were shining, that all hope had been abandoned, when you're in that place, you do question, where is the God of the universe? And the God of the universe today wants you and I to know that he is right here. He's sitting with you in this moment. How do I know that? Let's look back at the, at the passage. In verse 23, it says this, for this very night, this is Paul saying this, for this very night there stood before me an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I worship. And he said, do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand before Caesar. And behold, God has granted you all those who sail with you. So take heart, men, for I have faith in God that it will be exactly as I have been told. So Paul's in a situation, Luke's in a situation where all hope has been abandoned. Like it's super dark. And yet the God of the universe brings an angel to meet them and says, do not be afraid. Everything's going to be okay. I'm going to work out this situation. Everything ends up being lost. The ship is destroyed. They lose all cargo, but not a single life is lost because the God of the universe was right there with them. And he said, do not be afraid. Here's what my prayer is. My prayer is that if you're in the midst of a dark time right now, if you find yourself in a season where you feel like, man, Ernest, I haven't seen light in a long time. I haven't had hope in a long time. My prayer is that the God of the universe would show up to you in some miraculous way this week. Maybe it's through this message. Maybe it's through an angel. Maybe it's through somebody sending you a note. Maybe it's somebody, a friend of yours, texting you. Maybe it's your kid telling you something that was kind of out of the blue, but exactly what you needed. My prayer is that the God of the universe will show up in your situation this week and remind you that you are not alone and you do not have to fear. When I was 14 years old, my parents got divorced and my mom moved us from, Charles, from Atlanta, Georgia to Charleston, South Carolina. And at that time in my life, I was a very broken and angry individual. I'd been hurt a lot, especially by my dad. And so I always say hurting people hurt people. So I, I went around and I just hurt people. And probably the person I hurt the most was my mom. And at that time in my life, she, she was very broken and she was hurt from the divorce. And every night she would cry, every night. Because the dream of what she thought her family would look like in her eyes had been destroyed. 
and I had no empathy at all. I was very angry and hurt. And so I would say things and do things that were not edifying to her, that were not encouraging to her. But there was one night she was on her bed and she was sobbing. For me, it was like every other night. But for some reason, I went into her bedroom and I got up on her bed and I gave her a hug and said, Mom, I love you. And she continued to cry and she said, thank you. And I went off to bed. The next morning I woke up and I got in a car and headed back toward Atlanta with my sister for a quick trip. And what I didn't know was that my mom already had the hotel room reserved, all the pills in hand and the suicide notes written. And she was gonna kill herself. And she told me years later, because I don't even remember the, I don't even remember getting in bed that night with her and giving her a hug and all that. I don't remember any of that. She told me years later, she said, Ernest, I want to tell you about the time you saved my life. And then she told me what I did. And let me tell you, it was nothing miraculous on my part. I was not a good son. I was not a good kid. This wasn't like, wow, Ernest, look what you did. This was the God of the universe meeting my mom and my family in the darkest moments of our life. And him saying, do not be afraid. I see you. You see, some of us were searching for the why so much. We long for the why, but the reality is, even if you got your answer, it's probably not satisfying. It's probably not gonna give you what you long for, which is peace and hope and joy and life. Until you know the who, the why will never be satisfying. But if you know the who, it doesn't matter the what or the why, you can have peace. And so my prayer is that the God of the universe would remind you today who he is and that in your pain and in your struggle and in the darkness, he will say, I am right there with you. Do not be afraid. Let's pray. Father, we come before you and I thank you for your word. God, as much as we don't want to go through trials and pain and hardship, I thank you for the storm that Paul and Luke went through. I thank you so much, Father, for what you teach us through their sorrow, through their suffering. And God, I don't know where each one of us is in this place, but God, you do. You know exactly where we are. You know that some of us, God, man, we're experiencing some great joy right now in life. And God, we thank you for that. We thank you for seasons of, of blessing and seasons of, of, of comfort and seasons of calm. So God, for those of us who are in that place, thank you. We worship you. But God, I firmly believe there are many of us, including myself, who right now we find ourselves in a dark place in a place we never asked for, we never wanted. And God, I pray that instead of blaming you and instead of wondering where you are, that you would speak to us now, that you would speak to us this week, that just like you sent an angel to Paul, that God, you would send us something, some message, some way, whether it's a dream or a vision or an angel or just an encouraging word from someone. God, may you remind us that you are right here with us and we do not have to be afraid. Father, I thank you for your mercy and your grace in our lives. God, we give you glory, even in the depth of our pain, in Jesus' name.